Well, I hate to admit it this morning because there's so many guys here, but uh, I think that this past holiday season, I set a personal record for Hallmark Hall of Fame movies watched. (laughs) Now, I know my girls and my wife would probably say, oh, dad, give me a break. You only watch two, but my boys would probably say, no, it was at least six or eight that we watched. And by the way, guys, just to kind of make it up, I'm going to make it up during college bowl season here. Or I'm going to make it up during the NFL playoffs, so don't worry too much. But seriously, I got to be honest, I did enjoy some of that, okay? (laughs) Watching those movies and seeing just the the stories that kind of unfolded. And and after watching several in a row there, I, I began to notice some consistent themes in those movies. It seemed like in many of those movies, there was this kind of this idea that there was a person, there was kind of a key person in each movie, and, and they had this life, the way their life used to be, the way maybe even they had hoped their life was going to be forever. And then some tragedy happened. Some hardship came. Something happened, some kind of loss. And that person went through this period of, you know what, I've just lost it. And I don't, I don't know if I can ever recover from this thing that has happened. But then inevitably, it seemed like in each one of those movies, that person would get surprised by some sort of unexpected new blessing being offered to them in their lives. And many times, it was kind of interesting how the stories, they would, it was like this new thing that was sort of happening. And many of them do have a, a, you know, a faith element to them. And many of them kind of recognized that as, as God was bringing new blessing into their life, that, that that somehow even kind of connected with those past blessings that they had. That somehow it all kind of wo- was woven together in a plan for their life. And, and they were trying to figure out how all that fit together. You know, for many of us here at New Hope, I believe we can relate to that, can't we? We had a life before. We had a life before now. Maybe we even had a good life, but it didn't end up like we had hoped for. Maybe a divorce happened, a family breakup. Maybe there was a major health issue that you went through that changed everything. Maybe there was a bankruptcy or a repossession of your house. And you know what? We spent our whole life saving up for a down payment and, and scrimping and sacrificing and getting this dream house and now it's gone. Or, or maybe a job that you worked for and all these student loans, but where is it now? Or, or maybe some major moral failure, a choice that was made by you or someone else. And now we're left wondering, is there any hope for the future? Well, then in mind, I want to turn with you to Job chapter 42, verses 10 through 17. And usually, when we're thinking about Job, we're thinking about the classic story of what? Of suffering, of pain, of hardship. I mean, Job is the worldwide poster child for what you don't want your life to be like, amen? And we should think of it that way, because there's about 40 plus chapters of that emphasis in the book of Job. But as I began praying about what God would have me to share with our church family this weekend, the the Lord really kind of focused my attention on chapter 42 of Job and showed me something that I've never really noticed in reading this book because many times, like I said, we focus on the, the challenges that Job faced, but we don't focus on kind of how God was leading him forward from that place. With that in mind, I want us to look at Job 42 and talk about starting over. Starting over in our lives. Now, in order for us to talk about that, I need to kind of refresh us on what actually did happen to Job. The Bible tells us in Job chapter 1 that Job was a great man. He was a very godly man. He was a very blessed man. In fact, Job chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that he was the greatest of all the men of the East. 
But the Bible says that Satan, or our adversary, that word means our accuser, the opposer, the one who resists us, who hates us because he hates God, that Satan comes to God and God gives him permission to bring some challenges to Job's life. And by the time that it's over, Job pretty much loses everything. He lost, the Bible tells us, if you read there in chapter 1, he lost 500 oxen, he lost 500 donkeys, and all the people that he had that that were working for him that were watching over that livestock. Then after that, there's almost like this machine gun effect. It's like if you read chapter 1 of Job, it's like the guy that comes to tell him about the oxen and the donkeys, it says, while that guy was still speaking, another messenger comes and says, hey, something just happened. You just lost all 7,000 of your sheep and all the workers that took care of them. And while that guy was still kind of giving his report, the Bible says that another guy comes along and says, hey, listen, the camels, something just happened to the camels. You just lost all 3,000 of your camels and all the workers that were in charge of them. You ever had a time in your life where it was almost like you were just kind of going along and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. It's just like machine gun fire. It's just like, you know, I'm blindsided and and when I get up off the road, here comes another transfer truck and runs over me again. But then the worst of all in verse 18, it says, while he was still speaking, the guy who came and reported about the camels, Another also came and said, your sons and your daughters. I think that's probably about all that he had to say. I mean, the guy just found out that his oxen, that his donkeys, that his sheep, that his camels, that his workers, maybe we don't know how many workers, but there had to have been, uh, you know, maybe 50 or 100 workers to watch that many livestock. All these people that he cared about, his livelihood, all this boom, boom, boom. And then in the middle of that, Hey, something just happened with your sons and your daughters. And I believe that Job probably just realized, oh my goodness, not them. It says, while he was still speaking, another also came and says, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, oh my goodness, look what's happened. A great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Can you imagine? There are people in this room who have lost a child. Can you imagine? In one moment, he lost everything, including his seven sons and his three daughters. And then as we continue to read the story, we find out that he has these major physical problems that come upon his life. And then he spends about 30 or so chapters with some so-called friends who don't help the situation, to say the least. Now, we don't have time to really dig into this morning so much the focus on on, on Job and what he was going through and to process all that, but, but let's just leave it at this. The guy was going through a rough period, amen? Okay, to say the least, the guy was going through a major life-changing crisis. But then, interestingly, in Job 42, verse 10, something begins to change. And I think it's a really good passage for us to consider this morning. Because many of us have been through it like Job. Maybe not exactly what he went through, but you know, you know those feelings, you know that sense of devastation, of destruction that has come upon your life. But, but yet, like, like we're going to see in Job chapter 42, there seems to be a sort of a springtime rising in your heart. That's what we're going to see in Job. God is beginning to do something 
He's beginning to, to, to transition Job to, to moving beyond that tragedy and starting over in his life. And many times we don't know how to do that. And so this morning, that's why we're going to talk about it. First of all, let's look in Job 42. Let's start by reading verses 10 through 11. I want us to talk, first of all, if we're going to start over in our life, we've got to come to grips with the pain that we face. Look at verse 10. It says in verse 10, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him. Well, that's a little late, isn't it? After all the problems are over? Oh, now they're coming back. It says, Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him before came to him, and they ate bread with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the, advers- all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. Now, if you read the story, if you read the larger context, and maybe some of you have, you know that, like I said, there are chapters and chapters of Job's friends and their viewpoints, and, and they didn't really help the situation. We can kind of summarize it that way. But after his friends kind of botched up helping him out, God had some things to say to those friends. And by the way, it ought to give us a little bit of caution when we're helping someone else through difficulty in their life. That we shouldn't be afraid to help, Amen. Because some people go in that direction. Well, I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing, so I won't do anything. And many times that's a struggle for people because where's everybody else? Where, where's everybody at? We're afraid to, to even interact with someone. We shouldn't do that. We should be God's servants in people's lives. But we ought to be very careful and make sure we're being led by the Lord in what we do and what we say during those moments. But then it says in the midst of that, that Job, amazingly, in the midst of his own pain, had the, had the heart... To be able to pray for his friends and the mistakes that they had made. And at that point, something dramatic happens. And I don't know, was it because he prayed for his friends that that sort of uh, demonstrated to God his heart and God was able to do something in Job's heart? Or, or is this just kind of a time marker? At the time that Job prayed for his friends, then what we're about to see happen. But regardless, the Bible says at that point, the Lord made Job prosperous again. I hope that that gives you a little hope this morning. When you're going through difficulty, don't you, has anybody ever said, when is this ever going to end? When is it going to stop? When is the night going to be over? When is all the darkness? When is there going to be a glimmer of light? Isn't it good news? That the Bible says that at the, in the midst of all this tragedy that there did come a time when God began to bring Job back to a good place again. That's good news, isn't it? But you know, even though it's good news, even though that's great that, that things were going to begin turning around, on the other hand, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, and again, if you read the larger context, I mean, you've got chapter after chapter of struggle and tragedy When I read in verse 10, then the Lord restored the fortunes of Job and increased all that Job had twofold. It makes me, I don't know about you, but in the midst of a difficult time in my life, it makes me want to say, hey, wait just a minute. This is a little bit too quick. I need to think about this for just a minute. I have just been through, for Job, what was it? I've just lost everything. I've lost my livelihood, I've lost my workers, I've lost my family, my wife who was still alive, she had turned on him, I've lost everything, I've been struggling for 30 plus chapters here, and now God is saying that he wants to start blessing me again, and maybe even more than ever, and now my family is coming back around, 
after I've been through all this. And I believe that maybe all of us would say, I've heard many people say this, I don't know if I'm ready for all this. I've been through all this pain, I've been through all this tragedy, I don't know if I'm ready to move forward. Amen? Don't you imagine there would be questions? Don't you imagine that a person would say, you know, can I just go on with my life? Can I, just, can I just move forward? Won't that mean I'm forgetting the people that I lost? Won't that mean that I'm kind of leaving them behind? Maybe I don't want to move on. Maybe I don't want to be blessed again, especially without those people in my life. Can't you see a person struggling with that? On and on that could go. And can I just share something with you so we don't misunderstand the Lord's heart? You shouldn't get the impression that God is saying to Job, hey, get over it and move on. That's not, exa- that's not at all the nature of our God. The Bible says our God is very patient. Our God is very gracious. God, our God is very tender with us. He loves us very much. And I think if I could just kind of mark the key here, we don't have time to go back and look at it this morning, but if you go back and read right before what we're looking at, the difference that was happening here is that Job had had an encounter with God. God had spoken to Job. And Job had had a, a meeting with the Lord where God had given him his perspective and God was beginning to transition him from this tragedy they'd been through to God's perspective and moving forward. And I think that's the main thing you and I need if we're going to come to grips with the pain is we really need to meet with God, amen? I need to hear from the Lord this morning before I can do anything else, amen? However long that takes... However that needs to happen at some point, and I pray this morning, if you are in the midst of a struggle, I want to commend you this morning because it takes a lot of guts even to get out of bed, amen? When you're going through a tragedy like that, it takes a lot of motivation and, 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 and initiative just to, just to get out of bed, just to open yourself up to others. And I pray that, you, uh, that God's encouragement to you this morning would be, you know what, you've taken the right step. You're putting yourself in a position for God to speak to you again. And we need to be able to do that so we can face the pain and move forward. For Job, and probably for us, there were probably some steps. We can see some steps unfolding here. Let me give you those, some steps for facing that pain. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to start over in your life, there's some steps that we've got to go through. Write this down first of all. First of all, we've got to accept the reality of the loss. When we face devastation in our lives... We're kind of wired in such a way, and it's almost like a protect mode of sometimes we just kind of go into shock, don't we? We just kind of shut down. We go into protect mode. But over time, and with God's help, we have to learn to accept the reality of what has happened. Something terrible has happened, and I can't change it. And God, I need you to help me with this. Job had begun doing that. He had begun processing. He had had begun getting God's perspective and realizing the reality of what had happened in his life. Secondly, We've got to forgive others for failing us. Whether it's that person that gave up on your marriage and ran out, whether it's the person that died, sometimes people get angry because they say, why did you leave me? Why did you do this? And, and obviously that person didn't have a choice in that. But, but we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with being angry at that person or maybe some decision that somebody else made. Or how about this? How about the family and friends who come around after it's over? Wouldn't it be a struggle to feel good towards them? Hey, where were you at for 30 plus chapters while I was struggling? Hey, I know these other friends didn't have good things to say, but at least they were around, amen? And now that it's over, now that I'm beginning to kind of recover, now you're coming back into my life, we would really have to deal with, you know what, some people let me down. Some people that I depended on didn't come through for me. We've got to come to grips with that pain. Thirdly, we may have to make some things right. 
That's what Job had been doing over the last few verses. There were some things maybe in his relationship with God that, that God needed to address, and that was personal between him and Job. And maybe there's some things that, that you need to kind of talk to God about. And by the way, isn't it good news that God can handle our honest heart this morning? Isn't it good? If you're struggling this morning, I encourage you to read the Psalms because the Psalms are a great example of just being honest with God. Of God, I love you, and I, and, and I know I'm your child, and I want to stay close to you, but I'm struggling. I've got to ask you to help me. Job just needed to meet with the Lord and make some things right. And then fourthly, we need to let God work in our life again. God had a plan for Job, and he wanted to speak to him, and he wanted to bless him, but Job had to be willing to receive that blessing somehow. That's what we're going to talk about next. We're talking about coming to grips with the pain. It doesn't mean you're over it. It doesn't mean it has to be okay. It doesn't mean that it's nice and tidy. But if you're going to start over, at some point you've got to take that step of not fighting it anymore, not resenting it anymore, not begrudging it forever, not ignoring it, not running from it, but just saying, you know what, something terrible has happened. God, I don't like it. It hurts. But God, I need you to help me to process this and understand how to move forward. And that's what I want to talk about in verses 12 through 15. It says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima. You know, she's the syrup lady, you know, and her nieces and nephews called her Aunt Jemima, right? And the second, Keziah, and the third, Karen Hapak, or some Hebrew name that... I'll just say it that way. In all the land, no women were found so fair as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. I want you to listen here very closely. We're talking about, as we're starting over, as, we, as we're coming to some point in our lives where we can begin to understand how to transition out of some pain or some hardship that we've been through, you know, many times I think that in our mind, we've got kind of this mindset. Okay, I can accept the fact that something terrible has happened, and I can accept the fact that God is wanting to lead me out of that and maybe bless me, and we struggle with that, don't we? That he maybe wants to bless me, but, but in my mind, whatever he's going to give me ahead is pretty much a consolation prize. What I had before, what I had hoped for back then, that was the optimal plan. That was the best route, but now, moving forward, I guess I'll just have to settle for some crumbs. Isn't that the way we feel? But look at what the Lord says about Job. It says, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job even more than the beginning. This is how God's word describes it. Remember in verse 10, it says that God blessed him how much? Double. Twofold, twice as much as what he had given him before. And then we see that borne out here in uh, verse 12. It says, before he had had how many sheep? 7,000. Now how many? 14,000. Okay, you give a math. 7 times 2 is what? 14. He had doubled the number of sheep. He had 3,000 camels before. Now he had how many? 6,000. He had 500 oxen. Now 1,000. He had had 500 female donkeys. Now 1,000. He had had 7 sons and 3 daughters. Now... I think the best way to put it is he had seven more sons and seven more daughters. By the way, I love how the Bible puts that. It doesn't say he gave him 14 sons and six daughters. It says he gave him seven more sons and three more daughters. 
That's counted as double. You know what I believe God's doing there? He's not minimizing those children that were lost. And I believe it's also a hint that one day Job was going to see them again. In fact, right now, he is seeing them again. Isn't that cool? It gives more description of the immense blessing that God was going to give to Job. He talks about the treatment of his daughters there. It's interesting that it goes into so much detail about his daughters. Many times in the ancient cultures, any inheritance would have been focused on the sons. And so what it's really, it's just a detail here that's kind of emphasizing to us that Job had plenty to give to all of his kids. It didn't have to be divvied up. There didn't have to be any priorities. Everybody had plenty, is what it's trying to say there. And then it says, we're going to talk about this more in just a minute, that God blessed him with a long and blessed life. So all the way around, this says to us, Job had a tough time comparable with anybody, any time in history, but God was doing something wonderful for him on the other side of that unbearable tragedy. And because Job was willing to receive it from the Lord, he was able to start over. And listen, this is not in any way to minimize the tragedy or the first part of his life. That was significant. That was important. It did mean everything to Job and nothing could ever change that. I don't think at all that God would minimize that, but I think it's more to emphasize this. How God can take tragedy... Listen, friends, to the heart and the nature of our awesome God. As we realize this, it ought to cause you to love him and worship him more. God does not just take tragedy and negate it. That's how we think. At the best, we could get back to level. We could get back to neutral, okay? So it's almost like I'm in trouble God gets me out of trouble. That's the way we think about it, okay? That's the best that I could possibly hope for. That is not how our God works. He doesn't just take something bad and just sort of cross it out and take care of it. God actually can turn it around in such a way that there is further advancement of your good and His glory. In fact, I mentioned it previously, like I saw in many of those movies, and I think we see it in God's Word and in His work in our lives. God can somehow take the experience of that tragedy and the blessings he wants to give you in the future and weave them together in such a way that somehow God shows that it all fit together into his overall plan for your life. What I'm trying to say is, this was not just a salvage job. Isn't that good news? God had a plan all along. And though there are things that happen that are not according to his plan, that are not his purpose for our life, he knows about those things, and somehow he can fashion those things in such a way into his plan for your life, and hopefully you'll be able to receive that and look back and see how God's hand was at work in all of it. Let me give you an example of my own life. I've shared with you many times about the pain in our family of my parents getting divorced. In many ways, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And I'll tell you, if I could change it, I would. If I could go back and sort of rework that, I would. But here's what I want to share with you. Now that it has happened, and now that God has been able to bring healing in our family, the people that have become a part of our lives through that experience are now a very special part of God's work in our family and in our lives. Now listen. Though there are things that threaten to take away from our family, now, by God's redemptive power, God has woven those things and those lives 
in such a way that they add to our family. Praise his name, amen? We had to start over. And part of that is receiving what God wants to give you. It can be difficult, can it? It can be difficult. Because we had a thought. We had a plan. We had some hopes. And God, I don't know if I can accept any more good. I don't know if I can enjoy any more life. Or I don't know if I can enjoy any more life not the way I saw it happening. We've got to be willing to receive God's blessings. But finally, in verses 16 and 17, this might be kind of difficult, but again, it reflects the heart of our God. Believing you can finish stronger than ever. Look at verses 16 and 17. It says, after this, after what? After what? After God began to turn things around in Job's life, after this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his sons and his grandsons four generations, and Job died an old man and full of days. It says in verses 16 and 17 that after all that tragedy, Job lived another 140 years. Now, there are some that speculate that because we see very clearly, very specifically in this passage, that God doubled... Job's blessings, that some people speculate that, well, if he lived another 140 years, maybe he was how old when it happened? Maybe he was 70 years old when it happened, and then he lived double that after that. He lived another 140. We don't know that for sure, but I can tell you this, that sounds a whole lot like my God. He takes, okay, you had 70 of rough, let's give you double that of blessing. That sounds more like my Lord. Write down Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Okay, does sin abound, guys? Does sin run rampant and destroy like a wildfire in our lives? Yes. Okay, but whatever image of destruction and tragedy we have in our lives, of the pain and the hurt of this sinful world, the Bible says that grace swallows it up. Amen? Isn't that what we said in that song? Oh, death. Where is your sting? Oh, grave, oh, hell, where is your victory? We can confidently in Christ say that God, that, 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 that the death, that the hurt, that the destruction in God's hands can be swallowed up in blessing. And then after being blessed to see four generations, the Bible says that he died an old man and full of days. Now, that was kind of a Hebrew or a Bible way of saying that Job lived a very fulfilling life. Now, I want to be very careful about something here. If you've been through a tragedy, especially one that's very recent, it's not very helpful, it's not very thoughtful for someone to say this, I'm sure that the rest of your life is going to make this seem small. That wouldn't be helpful, would it? That wouldn't be thoughtful. I think maybe this is what God wants to say to us. There is hope for your life. Your life is not over. In spite of your terrible loss, can you believe that in God's hands you can still lead a very fulfilling life? Friends, we need to begin to understand that when our lives are in Christ, our end will be better than our beginning. I promise you, God's word promises us It may be like Job, and I believe God gave Job that blessing in this life to illustrate that truth, that reality to us. Amen? 
He helped us to see the reality of that in this life. Sometimes God does that in this life, but sometimes he's going to do it in eternity. And don't say, oh, okay, Pastor Robbie, well, that's nice. It's way over there in eternity. But when you begin to see your life in light of eternity, there's a lot more of that than this. Amen? But here's what I can promise you. It might be in this life. It might be in eternity. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the end is going to be better than your beginning. I hope that gives you some encouragement. Let me just share this with you. We have a tendency as human beings to think like this. Now listen, do we not think like this? I did my thing back then. I had my chance. I enjoyed it. Now it's gone. Or I had the opportunity and I missed it and I'll never get it back. Or however we want to see it like that. Can I just share something with you? That talk is sounding a lot more like the enemy than the voice of the Lord. I want to help you to begin to sift through and to discern when is God speaking to me and when is the enemy accusing or seeking to destroy. Right now, John chapter 10, the Bible says it's the nature of the enemy. John 8 says he's a liar and he seeks to kill and to steal and to destroy. And let me just share with you the truth of God's word. It has been my joy to experience and observe in the lives of others over the years. Two things. I want you to write this down. First of all, you need to factor in grace. Write that down. And write down Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. I love that story. I've been able to share it with so many people. So many people come to me and say, Pastor Robbie, I have wasted so much of my life. How many of us feel that way? Uh, 40 years, 50 years, 30 years, 25 years. I, I, I did my own thing. I made such a mess. So many problems, so many mistakes. Is there any hope for me? Can God maybe just give me a little bit of crumbs at the end of my life? And it's been my joy to share with them Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16 or so. I think it's 1 through 16 or, uh, yes, yeah, 1 through 16. There's a story there that Jesus shares, and it's basically about this boss, and he's hiring some people. He hires some people first thing in the morning, 6 a.m. in the morning, he hires somebody. He's okay, you're going to work a day, I'm going to pay you for a day. He hires another guy around 9 o'clock, another around 12, I think it is, another around 3, I think it is, and then he hires another guy at around 5 o'clock. He ends up paying the guy who worked at 5 o'clock, which is pretty much the end of the day, right? He ends up paying that guy a full day's wages. Now, the focus there is not to say he was unjust to the guy who started and worked all day. He paid him a fair wage, right? The focus there is not to say that he was unjust in what he paid the first guy. The focus is to say he was very gracious in what he paid the last guy. Now, friend, listen. I believe that is demonstrating to us the grace of our God. God can make up in a very short time what you wasted in years. Isn't that good news? And be careful, especially if you're a young person. You should not interpret that as, well, all then, I'll just have fun all day and come to work about 4.30 and get a day's worth of pay. Now we're trying to manipulate God, and we cannot do that. That is not the point. The point is for those of us who, for whatever reason, missed or, or neglected or, or, or made a mistake, but, but now we come and it's, it's the end of the day. Can I get in? 
And God says, I'm going to give you more than you could have ever hoped for or imagined. Isn't he an awesome God? Secondly, in Christ, you always have more to look forward to. Not less. Those who follow God, though our outward circumstances may deteriorate, we always have more to look forward to, not less. Write down 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, or some translate that, in jars of clay, in very fragile vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God, not from ourselves. I love these verses. I remember reading them in college, and I've thought about them many times. It says, We are afflicted in every way. Amen to that but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Amen? Life is hard, but I am not defeated. Amen? Then in verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then also write down Romans 8, verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, again, I want to say to the person who is just so fresh in that tragedy. Those words are not at all to say, oh, it's no big deal. Move on. Those words are encouragement that in the midst of your darkness, that darkness does not define your existence. You may be in darkness right now. You may sense you're in darkness. But if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you ought to be scanning those dark walls because I guarantee you there's a pinhole somewhere where some light's about to come through. Amen? (laughs) Someone said, if before Job was the greatest of all men of the East, what was he now? With all that God had blessed him with. You know, usually when we think of starting over, it's in a negative connotation, isn't it? I started a race, but I had to start over. Or I started a certain grade in school, but they made me start over. I was working on a project, but I had to start over. Well, certainly starting over typically relates to challenges. But with the Lord, you ought to throw some hope in there. So maybe we should call it begin again. Amen? I need to begin. I I did before. I need to begin again. Is that what God's doing in your life? Beginning again. And much like many of those Hallmark Hall of Fame stories I was talking about at the beginning, it's so awesome to see how a story can be brought all together at the end. Not that the pain is okay, but somehow God can weave it together where I can move forward and learn how to trust Him even more than ever before. And hurt and feel that pain and grieve that loss, but still be able to accept the blessing that he wants to offer me moving forward. How is God speaking to you about that this morning? As we think about closing out a year, somebody shared with me last night, I sure am glad 
2011 is wrapping up because it wasn't a banner year for me. Well, praise the Lord. Amen? It's 2012. It's in the books. And maybe even today, that's just symbolic if you just need to say to the Lord, God, that was a rough year. I need you to just kind of minister to my heart. I need to come to some sort of grips with that. Some sort of, I don't know if I'd say resolution because that sounds like it's finished, but I need, I need to somehow be able to process that in such a way that, that I can move forward in hope in 2012. Maybe that's what you need to do in the next few moments. Maybe, maybe while we're kind of singing this last song that we're going to sing here in just a moment, Maybe you just need to stay in your seat with your head between your hands and just say, God, help me. Help me, Lord. You know, maybe some of us have been through processing some of that and and you're sensing God's bringing you out of that. And and maybe the difficult part for you is, is it okay to ever be blessed again? Is it wrong to move forward? Am Am I... Am I ignoring the people that were part of my life before? The No. I think what we've seen here today is that somehow God's going to bring all that together, but that's not up to you to do, just to trust Him and move forward and accept what He's wanting to do in your life. And with the hope of this, that it's not second rate, it's not crumbs, it's not plan B, but you serve a God who can somehow weave it all together. And your end can even be better than your beginning. Let's bow before him for just a moment. Heavenly Father, help us. Just help us, Lord. There are so many things in this life that are just too much to process or to accept, or to acknowledge, or to deal with, or to so much pain, God. But I thank you that where sin abounds, grace swallows it up. That's how big, that's how gracious, that's how kind, that's how powerful our God is. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that has never put their trust in you, and does not have that hope, that they would call upon you and say, Jesus, I need you to give me this hope. I need you to come into my heart to forgive me for what I've done, to to be my Savior, to lead my life. Help me, God. Save me, I pray. Lord, for many of us who are your followers, Lord, it's difficult because we put our trust in you and and we have all these questions like Job of why and, and, and how did this happen and all these things, Lord. But ultimately, even though we struggle... Help us to trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.